This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Labor Day weekend. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few moments, we'll be joined by Freeman Young, who is the CEO of Crown Rust Control. Mr. Young will talk about seasonal changes and how to keep your car on the road through all of them. Conflicting reports about the winter ahead as to how severe it will be, but it's safe to say we will need to prepare our vehicles, and Mr. Young will be happy to take your calls, too. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. Second quarter results this week from Statistics Canada show a robust economy clipping along at a 2.9% growth rate. This news actually disappointed some economists who expected at least a 3% growth rate, so a little below expectations. The concern, as expressed by the guys at the CIBC, is there's not much momentum to sustain that level of growth in the second half of this year. Of course, there's an ongoing concern about Canadian interest rates, too, and the feeling is the Bank of Canada Canada likely won't raise rates until October, even though they could sooner. Exports were a big part of the good second quarter we just finished, but with the uncertainty surrounding the future of NAFTA, exports may be at risk in the months ahead. Imports and household spending were also up in the second quarter, but business investment, while up a fraction of percent, was at its lowest rate of increase in over two years. A very unsettling new investigation into seafood fraud in Canada found 44% of nearly 400 fish samples tested from retailers and restaurants in five Canadian cities were not what the label claimed. The group behind the investigation, Oceana Canada, says it's not about avoiding seafood. Rather, it's about being a better informed consumer and asking good questions when buying seafood products, whether at the market or in a restaurant. Some of their suggestions include thinking small, as in finding smaller fishmongers or restaurants that have good reputations. Asking good questions about what the species is and where it was caught is not rude. It's smart. If you live a relatively child-free life and like to wait for the holidays until the busy summer season is over, you're not alone. In fact, there are so many of you, some tour operators like Viking River Cruises have changed the rules and raised the age of youngest passengers from 12 to 18, effective next month. Viking also operates a cruise ship line with that 18 and over age limit, so this brings their river cruise ship service into line with existing policy. The target demographic for Viking is 50-plus, so this isn't exactly unexpected, but the company says it is responding to customer complaints. Viking isn't the only cruise company with age limits either. You by Uniworld has an adult-only policy, and Richard Branson's new cruise ship line, Virgin Voyage, will also be no kids under 18 when they start up next year. So next summer may feature many more kid-free options for travelers. And as airport time killers, cocktails will never lose their most favored status. But the race for novel concessions inside the terminal is becoming, well, more playful, especially when it comes to calming less than happy passengers. Last month, the first U.S. airport video game lounges opened with three dozen Microsoft Xbox rigs at Dallas-Fort Worth International, while John F. Kennedy International in New York 
is hosting the first virtual reality experience center this summer for 70,000 people who use that terminal every day. For airports, this period, when a passenger is waiting to board, dwell time in industry lingo, is a prime selling opportunity. And the Los Angeles company that installed the first gaming lounges is being deluged with inquiries from over 300 airports. So how much will it cost you to play a few games between flights? Ten bucks for ten minutes with a video headset and discounts for longer periods of time. An hour will cost you 35 bucks. In parts of Asia and Europe, gaming services at airports can include leather chairs and big screen TVs. No word yet on Canadian airports getting involved. We'll keep you posted. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at some more even still later in the show. Stay with us and have your car questions ready. Coming up next, Freeman Young, CEO of Crown Rust Control, who will set us on the right course to be ready for the season changes ahead. That's coming right up here on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And welcome back to the program, the Labor Day weekend edition of the program. Now, last week, we passed along the old Farmer's Almanac forecast for the winter ahead, and it wasn't pretty, including colder temperatures, especially over the holidays and possibly heavier snowfalls, too. Hopefully, you haven't made plans to bail for a few months this winter because our old friend David Phillips from Environment Canada has issued a different forecast for this winter. And I know you're going to like his version more. David says we can expect a milder than normal winter and says El Nino, warm water in the Pacific, is partly responsible. Winter should be shorter and milder than the last year, but far from cancelled. We still live in the second most coldest country in the world, and it may just be a little easier to take than the last couple of winters. That's all. That is good news, and that is by way of introducing you to our guest this, this hour. Our guest is joining us from Toronto. He is Freeman Young, the CEO of Crown Rust Control. Crown with a K. Freeman Young, welcome to Vancouver Consumer, sir. Glad to be on the show today, Sterling. Thank you. It's good to have you. Tell us about Crown Rust Control. Who are you? I've been around since the mid-'80s. Uh, tell us about the company, and, and uh, then we'll get into some specifics about winterizing or at least fallizing our vehicles. <laughs> Well, Sterling, we're an all-Canadian company, all-Canadian products. We're a dealer-owned co-op rather than a conventional franchise. And what that means is that each one of our dealers owns a part of the head office. Okay. All our formulas are all formulas that have been developed by our own chemist research people. Been in the business now for 32 years, and we have a warranty, basically, that covers vehicles for as long as a person wants to keep them. And it's full repair, replace panels right up to the full value of the vehicle. So it's a, it's a body maintenance system we've developed over the years and has been extremely effective. There's about 250 rust control centers in Canada. And then we have about another 80 in the northern United States and about 60 in Europe. So you're expanding rapidly. Obviously, you're, you're doing a few things right. And I know, uh, having done a little bit of homework, Freeman, in advance of your appearance with us today, that one of the things you're particularly proud of is the, the chemicals. You were talking about Canadian chemists developing Canadian-made products to combat, well, Canadian winters. But you, you had a, a sustainability, an environmental uh, add-on, if you will, in terms of the mandate from your, your chemists when they pu- started putting these things together. Yeah, we we absolutely insisted that every product we produce basically be an environmentally friendly product. So our products are non-toxic, non-flammable. There are absolutely no solvents in the product. 
They're effective, but they're effective by using perhaps a little more expensive ingredients and a little less in the way of shortcuts that a lot of chemistry use to try to basically treat equipment, vehicles, and various things. So for us, right from everything from when a barrel is filled in one of our places, uh, manufacturing places goes out to a shop, we have a recycling program that brings those barrels back to our center and okay. are reused. Uh, the product that's sprayed, anything that goes on the floor, all those products are recycled at a place here in Canada, cleaned and used for various other things in the future. We really work hard at making sure everything we do is as environmentally sound as possible. And that's been, that's been the position you've taken right from the get-go, back to the 80s uh, when you started up, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the things that kind of made us unique when we started. I mean, the normal... I guess the normal position of companies years ago was whatever you can do to make money. But we were much more interested in trying to have a long-term good business relationship for ourselves, the consumer, but also the country and the world we live in. Because at the end of the day, our kids have to live in it after we're gone. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to ask you what you do differently, because a lot of Canadians, and yes, we do this here in Vancouver. Now, I'm a Toronto guy originally, and I know about winterizing and rust-proofing and all of that stuff. It's done to a lesser extent, or used to be here in Vancouver. But gosh, Freeman, we've had a couple of just mean and nasty winters in the last couple of years. And so more and more of us are falling into what you would describe probably as more typically Canadian behaviors in terms of approaching winter. But what do you do differently? Because when it comes to rust-proofing, I'm thinking back maybe 10, 20, or even more years when we used to put, you used to go to a place where they put the car up on a hoist and spray black gunk on the bottom of it, and then down you go and off you go for winter, and that was was how you winterized your car. What do you do differently? Well, several things. One, we don't use any kind of a sealant, which is what you're describing when you talk about a tar or a wax-type product. Right. The, the truth of the matter is, if you think about it, if they can paint the outside of a car, which is a sealant, paint is a sealant, sure. if it would actually work on the underside of a vehicle and in boxed-in areas, why wouldn't the manufacturer just simply paint it? Because of the folds in the metal and because of bolts and spot welds, you have to have a product that's a penetrant, lubricant-type product, can go into seams, crevices, the areas where moisture will collect, lift moisture off the surface and push it away from the metal because a fundamental ingredient of corrosion, a lot of people don't think about it this way, but corrosion would not take place if there was no moisture. It's one of the four fundamental parts of a corrosion cell. So we work on the chemistry concept that if we could move moisture off of metal, out of seams, out of crevices, away from the spot weld areas, and then repel moisture thereafter. So the product we use has to be a working chemical. It is sprayed under the vehicle in the boxed-in areas, but it's also sprayed inside the doors, rock panels, quarter panels. But something that's unique about it, Sterling, and people don't think about, is what we're doing on the electrical side of the vehicle. Probably one of the biggest challenges for consumers today are those little lights that keep popping up on your dash that says there's something wrong with your brakes, for example. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, what's that? And you'll find out quite often it's a sensor, a wire and a sensor that's basically monitoring the brakes. Because corrosion takes place on the sensor, it brings the light on. Even uh, engine, check engine lights quite frequently. The dreaded check engine light, yes. 
Yeah, and it's the result of a faulty electrical current. So we spray the wiring harnesses, the plug-in areas, battery terminals. We basically treat areas of the vehicle that have never been done before in the past. Interesting. Now, you talked about the, the one of the keys uh, in terms of the four components to corrosion uh, was moisture. And so you have this, this new product and this new approach that, uh, that causes moisture to move off. How effective was the old way, the, the black goop, in, just in terms of keeping moisture out, period? Well, unfortunately, it it didn't work well at all, and that's why most of those products have disappeared. When you take a sealant and you put it over top or put it on a piece of metal, unfortunately in Canada, we have condensation caused by heating and cooling of metal and the air, basically. I guess a good example of it, Sterling, would be on a a nice uh, Uh, warm spring morning, if you happen to pop the trunk up in your car and you look inside on the trunk lid, you'll see water droplets. You think, where did they come from? And that's straight out of the air. That's condensation. So if you put tar on a piece of metal, condensation forms under the tar. Now you have this problem. You have a swimming pool liner holding the water up against the metal, and you'll actually accelerate corrosion rather than create a surface where corrosion is is not taking place. So it was exactly the opposite concept of what should have been used, and that's why you rarely ever see tar used on the underside of vehicles anymore. Mm -hmm. You'll sometimes see wax, but even that people are coming to understand. It holds moisture in rather than letting moisture out. Right. I, I'm hoping that in the second half of our conversation, Freeman, you can help us establish a timeline in terms of servicing and, and taking the car from the summer uh, conditions and, and whatnot uh, and getting ready for winter. And of course, there's the fall season in the middle. But let's, let me just jump ahead because uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit on you in the first yep. portion here. And I want to talk about this stuff that they, because uh, salt, of course, is, is one of the, the worst enemies of all Canadian vehicles. And it's in, found in every corner of the country. Here, what they're using now is they have these trucks, Freeman, that drive around with this liquid brine, which is a salt uh, c- a component, uh, they, but they drive around, and, and instead of you know spreading the salts with those spreader trucks, now they have these big liquid things that just uh, spread the, the liquid uh, onto the roads. Uh, what difference, if any, in terms of impact on the vehicle, particularly all of the wiring and underside, what's the difference between the brine they use now and the salt that they've been using up until just a short while ago? Well, it's very interesting. The compounds they're using, and it's not strictly calcium chloride anymore. It can be magnesium chloride, uh, which is uh, one of the byproducts of magnesium chloride when it re- is uh, mixed with water, is hydrochloric acid. Oh, okay. So if you can imagine, and that's very corrosive. Uh, so if you can imagine as the roads get wet in the wintertime, snow, rain, that kind of thing, they put this liquid brine on the road, but here's the thing they do different than they used to do with salt. Salt just used to lay there. Some of it would roll off. Liquid brine always will have some type of what we call a tackifier or a sticky material that will make it stick to the road. And the reason for that is they want it to be in place when the snow falls, and so they can drop it, for example, in the middle of the afternoon, and if it's not going to snow till 11 or 12 at night, they don't have to come out at night and drop it. Ah. It's already on the road, sticking to the roads. So in one way, it saves money. You don't have people working overtime to put it down. Right. But here's the bad news. If it's sticky on the road and you wet it and it comes up to the underside of your vehicle, now it's sticking on the bottom of your vehicle. It's sticking on the electrical connectors 
probably doing two or three times the damage that conventional road salt used to do to the underside of the vehicle because it doesn't go away. It actually adheres or sticks to the underside of the equipment. You know, Freeman, I had a feeling you were going to say that. And, you know, I'm, I'm quite disappointed only because it looks to, it looks so much cleaner and neater and it just it goes down. And, and you're right about the crews who put it on the roads. They, they uh, Obviously, they really like it. But I had the feeling it had a downside and it was going to be pretty powerful. So it, it, in fact, can be more dangerous than the old road salt stuff then. Absolutely. There's no question about it. And they recognize that. But I'll tell you an upside to it, Sterling. It's not as damaging as salt is to grass and to uh, plants. So because it does stick on the road where the old salt used to run down into the ditches and it would go up into the air. Like in our area, the Niagara region, uh, they have a lot of fruit growing trees down there and grapes and so forth. And the government on a regular basis used to subsidize or pay for the damage that road salt used to do to their plants. They don't do that anymore because they're using this liquid brine. So there is a positive side to it. But when it comes to roads, bridges, and your vehicle, it does much more damage than salt ever did. So what's the what's the key then with this newfangled brine, and you just know that's going to roll out again in a few more months, what's the key to protecting our vehicles, undercoats, and the rest of it for that matter, against this new technological approach? Well, I think uh, one of the things is obviously cleaning a vehicle and keeping it clean. And, for example, one of the products we have developed, and other companies are developing them too, are products that are designed to remove salt. So instead of just soap, when it goes on the vehicle, whether it's on the underside of a vehicle or whether it's washing the top side of the vehicle, it actually will take the salt compound that's sticking to the vehicle and it will neutralize it. It'll bring it to a pH 7 so it's not active, it's not cutting into metal and attacking electrical fittings and so forth. Uh So good quality cleaning and when you do that, for example, if you go to a car wash, look for a product that's a desalting product. But more importantly, ask and find out, is it recycled water? Because on the one hand, people like the idea of recycling water. You're not wasting water. But most of the systems, in fact, none that I know of, take salt out of the water. Interesting. So I, I have, to, uh, Freeman, yeah, I have to sorry. leave it there for just a second. You've got yeah. all sorts of questions on the tip of my tongue. But I need to break for the news and open up the phone lines during that break. We're back with more in just a few minutes. And welcome back to the Labor Day weekend edition of Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, joined on the line from Toronto by the CEO of Crown Rust Protection. Freeman Young is our guest this afternoon. By the way, you can find out lots more about his company at crown.com. And keep in mind that Crown has a K. R-O-W-N. Freeman Young, uh, we talked a little bit about this new stuff that's that be very popular in Canadian cities, this liquid solution that they're putting on the roads these days, replacing the old road salt. Although I must say, in some municipalities in Metro Vancouver, they still use a very fine grind of gravel. Do they? Is that fairly commonplace still across Canada? I would say not across Canada. Because of the challenges with drains and uh, and the sewer systems for cities, they have tended to stop using it in most areas. But there are areas, particularly hilly areas, where it can be very, very effective way of basically controlling light ice and snow 
on the roads, but it's not nearly as calm. It used to be right across the west. You could start in Vancouver or in Winnipeg and go right to Vancouver, and they used to, quite a few of them used a, we call it grit but a grit material, but you don't see much of it anymore. Interesting. Like a couple of hundred thousand other Vancouverites, I live on a hillside, and perhaps that's why I notice it a little bit more, because it sure hasn't gone away around here yet. No, and, and there is, a, like, there's like so many things. There's a place for a lot of different products for different circumstances, and, and they've done a good job over the years. But they have found in a lot of the cities, because of the challenge of keeping the sewers and drain systems clean and flowing, that an accumulation of a grit-type material, if you will, into the sewers can cause serious problems. One of the suggestions you've already passed along to our listeners this afternoon uh, with, with respect to winter driving and preparing for it is there's just no, there's no such thing as too clean a vehicle. Is a car wash... Uh, after a snowfall and the subsequent uh, uh, doing of the roads with all the stuff. Uh, is a car wash going to take it off? Because you mentioned when you get your car washed, ask for some kind of salt uh, product. You manufacture a product called Salt Eliminator at Crown Rust Control. Do most car washes carry your product or one like it? And do you have to ask for it specially? Yeah, a number of them will advertise that they have a rust-inhibiting product, and quite often that is a salt-related product, uh, a product that's designed to break up salt. I can say, and of course we're obviously prejudiced, I, I run Crown Rust Control, there is no product in the marketplace like Salt Eliminator right now, and it's been put up against all the products that have been used both in Canada and the United States, and it's just so much more effective, more than 100% effective than most at breaking up salt. But people mistake about salt is because it doesn't stand out to your eye when it's on a vehicle. Mm-hmm. They think if you wash it, it's off. But it's interesting how often in the wintertime you'll wash a car, look spick and span clean, it dries, and then you can see this cloud residue on the paint. And that residue is actually salt that's still sitting on the paint that the soaps and cleaners didn't remove. So it is a little bit of a challenge, and um, a salt eliminator type product, it's not expensive, and a lot of people will use it like a car wash, just put it in a bucket and, and use it. And you can get it at, at www.crown.com if you go online to get it, or you can get it at various like hardware stores and different places like that, too, if you wash your own car. Okay. And some car wash do carry it. Interesting. Uh, the uh, The government of British Columbia is also operates the insurance company of British Columbia out here. As you no doubt know, we have uh, government insurance in British Columbia, no competition allowed, uh, and uh, they're, they're in a bit of a financial pickle. So naturally, the first thing they're going to do is raise insurance rates. Mine have gone up several hundred dollars, and my car is, is not new. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not going to get a new car, uh, probably for a couple more years, just because of this, because, well, if if my car insurance has gone up, the new car insurance has gone up to, I'm sure, an even more ridiculous amount. So let's talk about extending the life of the car we currently own because, well, we can afford the insurance for now, even with the bump that's going to happen this this time around. Yeah. So there's a couple of things to think about, Sterling. One, a person who keeps a car for 10 years, say, from new to 10 years, will have saved enough to put their children through the first two years of university just on their vehicle by not rebuying after the three- to four-year time period. So, And that includes the maintenance and the upkeep of the car. So what you're saying is absolutely true. Extending the life of the vehicle, 
has a tremendous impact, first of all, on the family economy. Sure. But it has a secondary uh, an effect, too. Insurance is an issue, but I'll tell you a bigger issue. Every time you manufacture a car, the carbon footprint that happens is dramatic. So if every consumer, if you could imagine this, every consumer who had a car, there's over 17 million of them in Canada. Yeah. If every one of them kept their car just one year longer, 25 million tons of carbon would not be produced. So when you think about that, if you could extend the life of a car one year, two years, three years, what an impact we could have on the ecology around us, because that's what we're all concerned about. Now, we can see it, we understand it, we're educated people, but what kind of an impact can we have as the average person? Well, here's a place you can have an impact. Right. Extend, maintain your car and extend its life. When, when it comes to doing that, uh, what are the most basic duties that you must attend to regularly in order to extend or prolong the life of your current vehicle? Well, I think everybody understands the need for oil change, for example, but not everybody does it. And mechanical devices that work like an engine does really need to run clean. So changing your oil sounds so basic, but doing it on a regular basis. And the intervals are longer today than they used to be. It used to be, you know, every three thousand miles or 5,000 kilometers it was changed the oil. Most of them now, if you read the manuals, will take you to about ten to 12,000 kilometers, mm-hmm. but keeping a regular schedule of that. Obviously, you've got to keep good rubber on your car, but here's something that most consumers don't know. If they would take the time to check the air pressure in their tires and keep the air pressure at the recommended standard, they would increase their gas mileage, they would reduce the wear on their tires, and they'd improve the safety of their vehicle. Little things, you know what I mean, Sterling? Mm-hmm. doesn't have to be huge things. If you took a can of silicone and you sprayed it on all the door gaskets, the doors that open and close on your car, mm-hmm. it will keep that rubber in what I would call pristine condition instead of the drying and cracking that tends to hap- happen on door rubbers over a period of time. Simple little maintenance things that a person can do, they can do them for themselves, or they can ask a mechanical garage to do it. The days of the tune-up have just about disappeared. I think so, yeah. Yeah, you don't hear that anymore. Well, let's go in and get a tune-up. But there are certain things you do need to have done from time to time. And, you know, obviously it makes a difference if you are a good maintenance person. You keep the car in good shape. Brakes you can't get around, but don't let them run down. And make sure brake lines and gas lines are treated with some kind of a rust inhibitor so they don't corrode, because typically... That's more of a long-term problem, eight years to 10 years. Now you're throwing brake lines on a vehicle, but that's now like 1000 to $1,500 if you do them all, not two or 300 like it used to be when we were young. Yeah, yeah. So and we're talking about, uh, and here's what I'm hoping you're going to be able to provide us with. And we have, you know, we're just at Labor Day weekend here and, and you know, barely just getting to the school reality and the back to school business. We talked about that last hour and had a little fun doing so. But, you know, we've got the fall season ahead. And then, of course, that winter that we talked about earlier that hopefully uh, the second forecast, the one from Environment Canada, which is a little more, well, Vancouver friendly than that one from the Almanac. Hopefully we get that forecast. But still, Given the last couple of winters we've had here, it's been all too real Canadian winter in here in the rainforest where, you know, a lot of people have moved here, frankly, Freeman, because they hate winter. And this is as good as it gets in Canada. 
Yep. So and let's talk about to do something. Yeah, let's talk yeah. about a timeline here for getting yeah. through the next couple of seasons, particularly through the fall, and and having the car ready for the winter time without having to do anything all a whole bunch of stuff at once. We've got a, a couple of months here, so uh, on an affordable, practical basis, where do we start? And we take us down that road. Well, a couple of really basic things is condition of your windshield wiper blades, for example. People don't think about replacing them, but as the weather gets bad and you get that light rain and freezing, if the blades aren't in good condition, safety issues come up. So do they need to be replaced? If they do, good time pre-winter to get them replaced sort of thing. Obviously, snow tires or an all-season radial can make a big difference to the safety of the vehicle running into the fall, going into the winter time period right. sort of thing. So depending on, you know, how, and you don't get as much snow in Vancouver, not nearly as much sort of thing. But as you go up over that mountain, heading past hope, <laughs> now you're into a little more trouble in the wintertime out in your neck of the woods. Or head up to Whistler and all of a sudden you're in snow yep. up to your eyeballs in a big hurry. Absolutely. So you need at least a good quality all-season radial on that vehicle, or if not, put a, put a set of snow tires on for the winter months and give yourself that extra bit of protection. It makes a difference. But There's you don't no want question. to do it too early, do you? Snow tires no. on, on, on just regular pavement, uh, pavement rather under regular driving conditions no snow included aren't particularly practical are they no they are not they wear prematurely and basically they actually use more gas if there's no snow on the road because of the different traction that they have so again it's a it's a small amount but it all makes a difference when you're looking at the cost of running a vehicle but the idea is if you're going to do a bit of rust inhibiting get an annual maintenance system like ours done do it pre-winter and and get it done and typically it's about 120 dollars a year if you get an application like ours done and there's a variety of companies it's not just crown right but you should do something particularly on the underside but don't put a heavy product on make sure it's a penetrant lubricant type product that can move moisture off the metal and we do our process sterling once a year and a lot of people think wow that's crazy not in Ontario, right. not in Eastern Canada. It's it's needed and a little bit more. You might get away with a longer time period if you spray it in, in the uh, Vancouver and, and the BC area, but you still need to be doing something because the life expectancy of the cars are growing and you want to have it in good shape when it gets to the end of the life cycle. Right, and, and of course that, and that, uh, now I, I, it's interesting because crown rust control isn't like Midas Mufflers or uh, one of those other national companies that takes care of our vehicles in one way or another, because you can look up Midas on the internet and go to one of the dozen stores in Vancouver. There is no such thing as a crown rust control shop per se, is there? I know there's Dell Equipment in Port Coquitlam on Kingsway Avenue. That's your closest Vancouver dealer, but it's a different approach that you take, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So we've had companies over the years, and Western Canada, we have not had as heavily a presence. Like in Ontario, we have 128 Crown Rust Control Centers ah, on the go okay. because of the uh, the difference in the market. But a lot of places like body shops and garages will have it because they treat their repairs with it. And we also have an online store where people can pick up product themselves and apply it to areas like battery terminals and exposed areas of their vehicle if they want sort of thing. So we have that available as well as other products that are available in our online store. That's at www.crown.com sort of thing. 
Uh, how important, now you've talked about washing the vehicle with respect to salt and brine and, and the winter realities, but how important, just in terms of general maintenance frame of reference, Freeman, how important is washing your car, just keeping it clean on a regular basis Because just because? Well, the finish on your vehicle, if you allow the dust to accumulate, will cut the actual painted surface and damage it, so you want it off of there. And when you think about the underside of the vehicle, you have your suspension system, moving parts. Yeah. If you get accumulation of road dirt on there, each time they move, instead of moving properly, they're cutting or wearing because of the grit from the dust and dirt that's accumulating underneath. So it, the well-being of the vehicle is affected dramatically but by the washing of a car. And it's not a big challenge to do, whether you do your own or whether you have somebody do you do it for you. It's 5 or $10, depending on where you're at, to have it washed at a car wash. And uh, typically you can do it at home in 15 minutes and do a fairly nice job on it. But it does make a big difference to keeping the vehicle looking good, and it does help it to last longer. It's all the little stuff. It's the little stuff that's just as plain as the nose on your face, but it's so easy to overlook and, you know, it, it, it will save some money and not do it this month. That can build up and come back to bite you, can't it? It, it absolutely does. And when you think of the cost of a new vehicle today, I mean, they're paying for cars, Sterling, what you and I probably started out paying for houses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Days have changed. I just had a friend of mine pick up a half ton. I was talking to him about it, $78,000. I said, you paid what for it? Yeah, no kidding. That's that's the difference in cost of vehicles today. And even a small car, you're into $20,000, $25,000. So it, it means a lot to maintain it. And if you think about it, typically you will buy one or two houses in your lifetime. But many people are buying cars every three to four years. $20,000, $25,000 at a time. It's it's a huge cost. Freeman Young, thanks very much for this. We appreciate your taking time out of your Labor Day weekend to join us here on Vancouver Consumer and provide us with some really practical, smart, straight-ahead kind of stuff to get the old vehicle turned in the right, heading in the right direction as we round the corner at Labor Day and head towards the fall and whatever lies beyond. We do appreciate your joining us this afternoon. Thanks very much. Thank you very much, Sterling. We appreciated the opportunity. It's our pleasure. Freeman Young, the CEO of Crown Rust Control. You can find them online at crown.com. And keep in mind, crown with a K.com. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Freeman Young, CEO of Crown Rust Control, for a very informative visit. Next week, we'll introduce you to the people at Prenuvo Medical Imaging, and we'll welcome back John Carlson from 1% Realty after his summer vacation. Time now for Duly Noted, and this time our producer, Ben Dooley, has a look at how NAFTA could affect dairy prices. Thanks, Sterling. It's watch and wait for BC dairy farmers who are anxiously awaiting the outcome of contentious free trade negotiations with the U.S. government. One of the biggest stumbling blocks is supply management, the Canadian system that sets production quotas and prices for domestic dairy products while applying tariffs to imports. And local producers warn losing the system could be devastating for their industry. David Janssen's with Surrey's Nicomeki Farms argues the supply management system ensures a better regulated and safer product, though acknowledges it results in higher prices for consumers. But he said even if the system opens up, it wouldn't necessarily mean cheaper milk and cheese north of the border. 
We thought Target's down there, all the cheap prices when they come up into Canada. I think Target realized, hey, you know, the delivery driver is getting paid more. The TELUS worker that's installing the phone lines is getting paid more. Gosh, our taxes, property taxes are higher. The clerk that's serving everybody costs more. Not everyone agrees with that assessment. The C.D. Howe Research Group has argued that at least in the short term, increasing the supply of U.S. dairy would push prices lower. Talks between Canada and the U.S. are slated to resume next week. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. If you enjoy really expensive cars, your show is coming back next weekend. The 2018 edition of the Luxury and Supercar Weekend returns to Vancouver's Van Dusen Gardens next weekend, September 8 and 9. Organizers say over $250 million worth of cars will be on display. Just think of an exotic brand name, and it will likely be on display. Lamborghini, McLaren, Bugatti, Ferrari, the list does go on. The event will also include two runway fashion shows, a piano concert, and a $10 million car auction. Tickets aren't cheap, as you might expect, and go for $125 with kids in for $75, but the hardware on display, oh my, a car lover's dream. The Richmond World Festival is on again today at Minaroo Park and Richmond Cultural Center Plaza, that's on Granville Avenue, and as you might expect, one of the biggest draws at this free and family-friendly festival is the variety of food offerings. It's on until 10 tonight, and people will be treated to musical performances, 90 artists on nine stages over the two days, sport and art activities, and plenty of amazing culinary options. And besides all the cooking demonstrations led by top chefs on the culinary stage, more than 50 food trucks will be parked at the event, all of them ready to serve up tasty items to hungry festival goers. It's safe to say that you'll get to taste flavors from around the world at this annual celebration. It started yesterday and wraps up tonight, but there's still plenty of time to gather up the family and head down to Minaroo Park for the Richmond World Festival. Oh, the food. Awfully darn good. That is our program for today. Uh, produced by Ben Dooley. Andrew Ferreira is at the controls. I'm Sterling Fox. Join us again next Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock for another edition of Vancouver Consumer here on CKNW and have a terrific Labor Day weekend. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.